Trivia for Kids. Come to know sports trivia. Sports knowledge won't help you, but you will need to know wombat facts and sex stuffs. Satanic witchcraft first women in science. All sports are stupid. And feminist nerds rule. That was perfect. We all did it perfectly. We all did it. Welcome to the No Sports Trivia Podcast. We are Ben McKenzie and Ken McMenzie, and we host a weekly feminist pub quiz in San Francisco. It is the most fun you can have without dressing up as a dog, dressed up as a cat, dressed up as a person. So we make this podcast to share the experience with fans near and far who can't make it down to Shotwell's Bar on Monday nights. We Did write- I steal your costume idea? <laughs> I'm currently wearing that costume idea, so no, you're just reciting what you see. We write an original game every week where we ask questions about anything that isn't sports. We've got the best taste, and we like the best stuff. So our research takes us to some fucking weird corners of history, human behavior, and the natural world. We couldn't possibly fit it all into one game, and we're not going to keep it to ourselves. Clown costumes are banned in Los Angeles public schools. So we want to share some of that with you, too. For the second year in a row. Good job, Los Angeles. (laughs) I don't get to say that very often, but good. Whenever I hear a school rule, I'm like, what happened? Mm -hmm. Like, my law school banned lutefisk. Oh, God. Who is eating lutefisk during an exam? A law student in Minnesota. You're disgusting law students in Minnesota. It's factually accurate. <laughs> Do you want to really quick describe what lutefisk is for any non-Minnesotan listeners? No, you should. It's poison fish. <laughs> That's the short version. And maybe look it up on Wikipedia, but poison fish that reeks like ammonia. Fish that you soaked in lye. And then buried in the ground <laughs> for several months. Yep. Once you and I accidentally made really convincing vegan lutefisk. Yeah, you make vegan lutefisk by soaking maraschino cherries in like kerosene or grain alcohol, <laughs> which are indistinguishable. Yeah, we have like a thumber of Phillips vodka. Mm-hmm. We took a huge industrial gallon of maraschino cherries. Like the cherries. tub of maraschino cherries that gets delivered to the Los Angeles Public Schools cafeterias. 100%. <laughs> we drained out all of the delicious red syrup Yep. and filled it up with vodka. Yep. And then we waited the for so long. We waited so long. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we grew long Rip Van Winkle beards, yep, which we're sporting now under our dog, cat, human, cat costumes. We're wearing a lot of layers today. Yeah, we waited so long. The cherries lost all color and began to look sort of like zombie eyeballs, mm-hmm. I would say. Very firm, but gelatinous. Much like lutefisk. Yes. And then they tasted like burning. Much like lutefisk. It was gross, we're sorry. But also, I'm only a little bit sorry. Also, if you want a recipe for a vegan lutefisk, there you go. Anyway, happy Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) The Halloween game was last night. This was our second annual Halloween pub quiz and dog costume contest. Second annual no sports trivia Halloween dog costume contest. This is a tradition of which I am most proud of participating. Why are there not more dog costume contests? People are really excited to dress up their dogs. It was really cute. It was really good. Which dog was your favorite? Oh my god. Listeners, you can check our Instagram to look at pictures of all of these very, very good dogs. They were so good. I loved the triple. The triple was excellent. I loved the winner. A chocolate lab dress is a s'more. They were a s'more. They had graham crackers. Fluffy marshmallows, and then they were the chocolate. Everyone was extremely good. There was a puppy. The calmest puppy I've ever seen in a bar, or possibly any setting, but especially in a bar. It was like a little English bulldog puppy dressed as a bat. Mm-hmm. She was so shiny and soft and black. I was a huge fan. And she had little bat wings. I'm a huge fan of that bat dog. Bat dog! Bat dog. 
Nee, bat dog. The triple dog has a special place, a special, special place in my heart, though. Mm-hmm. Because it was a part of a group costume. Yes. And we had offered a bonus point if someone wore a particular class of costume to our event. One trivio did it. It was the trivia who brought the triple dog. And she was dressed as a shark wearing a Star Trek uniform. Mm -hmm. Because she went to the same blog as me, uh, in which some nerd trained an artificial neural network and artificial intelligence to come up with Halloween costume ideas. And the list is amazing. And I forgot to pull it up. I have it. Starfleet Shark was one. That was the one I just described. I especially love it because that was the one I personally was considering wearing along with Space Batman. I really enjoyed Cupcake Pants. I, I saw this too late, but I wish that we had had the time to plan this costume. The twin spider mermaid. Oh, I was looking at Aldonald, the goddess of the chicken. That's amazing. That is amazing. But we do already have mermaid tails. I know. The twin spider and mermaid two of would us be incredible. That would have been fantastic. That could be a terrifying costume. Right? Holy shit. <laughs> Between us, we have eight limbs. Two heads, eight limbs. Mermaid Mermaid Tales. Yeah, we're like basically done. We're going to have another Halloween pub quiz next week. (laughs) (laughs) We're only going to be Halloween pub quiz for the rest of time. We basically already are. Okay, so that's settled. Uh, You're welcome, world. When you wake up tomorrow and every day for the rest of time and it's still Halloween. We did that. Yep, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. The favorite fact I learned researching this game Mm -hmm. was that um, the first ever official Halloween celebration was held in 1920 in our home state. Yeah, Which is, of course, Minnesota. And it was, of course, because teenagers kept fucking shit up. <laughs> and the 20s city planners were like, what are we going to do? I guess have a bobbing for apples party? Yeah. That'll prevent those teens from causing those mischief. Those rascals. Spoilers, it did not. <laughs> Speaking of rascals, we had so many <laughs> folks come out last night. It was incredible. We had 13 teams. And they were rowdy. People were, like, eating tater tots on the floor. So were the dogs. It was adorable. So, the Halloween game is fucking amazing, and this episode is fucking amazing. It's so symmetrical and convenient. Mm-hmm. I love playing trivia with 13 teams at once, mm-hmm. who all have dogs that they have brought for us, yeah. and are actively seeking our approval. Mm-hmm. I especially like playing trivia with a smaller team, <laughs> uh, just our guests. Of, like, possibly one or two people. <laughs> They're definitely going to win, because I hate it when people don't win, and it is impossible for every team to win, as the nature of a competition. It is the only thing I don't like about trivia. <laughs> And uh, you're about to hear a really, really delicious episode where only winners are present. The most fun thing, I think, about playing trivia with a single player is that you're at a total disadvantage Mm -hmm. as a single player. You need a team. Yeah. But, like, so we are your team. Like, we give tons of hints on the podcast. Like, we really try to, like, without giving you the answer, we totally try to be, like, your team members. It's really fun. It's, like, the only way we kind of get to play. Last night at the game, we had that moment where you said you were really, really sad and kind of angry that there's no other trivia like ours that we could go play. (laughs) I want to play our trivia. Um, We had several new players last night, and one team had the epiphany moment that all teams have eventually, where they realize that if we ask you to smash something... It's always the patriarchy. I think it's the third time it's happened now where when we read the answer, everyone cheered. Mm-hmm. We were like, we're doing a great job. The question was, of course, every year, a bunch of rascal kids go around smashing pumpkins. What should they be smashing instead? You all know the answer. Yep. <laughs> it was so cute. It was really cute. And everyone cheered, as everyone should cheer. Yeah. Smashing the patriarchy. I love the camaraderie that our teams build with us and each other. It's very sweet. Yes. Okay. It's time. Let's play trivia. I have one. Woohoo! 
Hello, Trivios! You are in Portland with Ben and Ken, where we are wondering where the fucking donuts are and playing trivia <laughs> with lawyer, birdwatcher, and muddler, Erica! Hi, Erica! Hello! Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Could I ask you about your identity as a muddler? <laughs> you certainly can. You certainly can. I have spent a greater than average amount of time gazing at my navel and trying to figure out how to live a life that's specifically mine. And I'm just muddling through. I'm all, I mean, yes, all we are ever doing is just muddling through. But it's only at this tender age of almost 33 that I've decided to fully embrace that muddling and be very thoughtful about what I am muddling into and out of and who I am muddling with and who I am muddling without. Because we're all just, we're all muddling. And I'm not sure I was super cognizant of how much muddling I was muddling until I decided... (laughs) How much muddling you had muddled? How much muddling I had muddled and how much muddling can a muddler muddle? If a muddler can muddle, muddle mud. some mud, yeah, yeah. The way you phrase that is really resonating with me, and I bet it uh, really resonates with a lot of people who f- have spent a lot of time doing work that they felt was very, very important, and that was also very, very emotionally and otherwise taxing. Um, and I know that is something that you have experienced in your past. That's true. As a kid, I was frequently praised for for my sort of skills along the humanities bent. You're a great writer, you're a great speaker, all this stuff. So law school seemed like a really apt path, and so then I did that. And I, you know, doing the thing that a lot of people do, which is following where the praise comes from. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, I found myself in law school, which is a great place to meet sociopaths, but (laughs) is also a great place to learn some very specific skills and see how some of the sausage is made, not just in terms of laws themselves and legislation, but really how a lot of the world is crafted anymore because regulation governs so much of what shapes our day-to-day life. So the notion that thoughtful, sensitive kid Erica wanders into law school and has some real Atticus Finch dreams. And prior to law school, I'd been working as the office manager of a residential drug and alcohol treatment facility. And my clients had public defenders and they'd occasionally come in and visit. And I was super inspired by like these really thoughtful lawyers who were coming in and presumably making more than minimum wage and doing good work and connecting with their clients and all of this stuff. And I thought I would like to do all of those things. I was particularly raw in that moment about the minimum wage part. And Fair enough. so I went to off I went and I became a public defender and I was a public defender for three years. Mm-hmm. And how is that? <laughs> <laughs> it is good work and it is hard work and I'm glad that I did it. And I'm glad that I left because the emotional toll Uh, Like, I didn't even let myself say the words vicarious trauma until I was about two years out of it. Puts it at about six months ago. The idea that your work can hurt you um, was not something that I had really cottoned to. And the idea that meaningful work is not worth destroying yourself over is also something I hadn't really cottoned to. So I left. And I left to... um, work in Title IX compliance for a college here in Portland. And Can you remind us what Title IX is? Absolutely. Title IX is a piece of education legislation that, among, that, broadly speaking, provides for gender parity in higher education and specifically since about 2011 has imposed some pretty stiff regulatory requirements on how campus sexual misconduct is handled. 
so that was kind of professionally out of the frying pan into the fire in terms of <laughs> like in terms of work with significant emotional load. <laughs> it was better than the PD's office in the sense that the hours were better, in the sense that the sort of conditions of employment were better. But it was still profoundly difficult in terms of in terms of the emotional load and the emotional toll. Viewing myself as a person who wants to use my limited time on the planet to make a positive difference in the world in the way that I think that difference should be made, both of those roles at the public defender's office and at the college, I found to be taxing personally to the point that the making a difference no longer became a part of the equation. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so muddling continues. Thank you so much for sharing that experience. I think that is definitely one that I can relate to. I think it's one that my yeah. co-host Ben McKenzie yeah. can relate As to. As a fellow like trained movement <clears throat> lawyer who does not do movement law for my day job anymore... I, we're PS we're friends and have been for a long time. <laughs> yes, um, and met at a radical law conference. Yes, but like I think that this is such a good and sustainable life choice, and I'm just so so proud of you um, for compartmentalizing in this way. Thank you. Can I ask you? Sure. I was really taken by the way you described your identity as a muddler, which is trying to figure out how to make a life that is one that works for you or that is your own. Mm-hmm. What kind of steps did you take to start to identify those things or how did you begin to look for them i feel like at least for myself um and i think for a lot of other people when you're in it and you don't have any emotional energy any mental energy mm-hmm. um any time mm-hmm. to think about it's so hard to see yourself doing anything else or being being in another place i wonder how you are sort of doing that work since you're Sure. Two pieces to that. First piece, therapy, if it's just full stop. And second piece, you know, there's only so much, like we don't, because there's no actual path, the path we take is the one we just sort of muddle onto. We have no option sometimes but to define our path by the negative and what is not working and not doing what is not working. There was a lot of that. Like I've had two, in the last five years, I've had two jobs on Monday, I start a third. And also... There's a lot of self-examination for me that goes into it, and I could imagine a, I could imagine a future where I bounce around from place to place, city to city, job to job, relationship to relationship, without a whole lot of self-examination of what I am bringing into it and that sort of and how I am operating. But I'd much rather analyze how I am operating in particular roles to the extent that I can. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to escape your own subjectivity, but like I aspire to a level of self-awareness that allows me to think through what I'm doing now and whether it's working and how much of that is in my control to change and how much of it I'm just going to have to muddle away from. One of my former coworkers calls it um life as bumper cars where you bump into something and then that didn't work and you bump bump into something else and you learn from that and you you know eventually you learn to steer so that's a great metaphor and it's so it's so important to keep it in mind it's especially so important for people who are inclined to take on work because they feel it's so important possibly more important than their own life or happiness um and to recognize that actually their own life and happiness has value and it's really hard to be effective in the world if you are neglecting those things Totally. And like the, the sort of helper mentality or what like whatever you want to call it, like folks who want to make a make a different positive difference in the world, however they define that, it's easy to define your worth by the help you give rather than, oh, I only get one shot on this planet and I'm not having very much fun right now and that fucking sucks. So Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge shift in sort of perspective and it's a really important one. Yeah. And also like therapy and going to the gym <laughs> like, massive 
massive. And you also bird, you I write, do. you I draw. Do. I do. I do all of these things. Like for I'm entirely for private person. Yeah, and all of that is entirely for private consumption, and I love it. You know, yeah. like I have no no dreams or ambitions of turning these things into into bigger things because that's just not what they're. There, like it's a novelty to me to to do something to enjoy the process and the progress and the personal enrichment. Like I've spent altogether too much time, as I think many folks, more or less our age or socialized more or less in some of the same. I can really identify with the like go getter a student people pleasing thing, and it's hard to actually. It's hard when once you sort of shake that off. It's there's this whole world of like doing things for the sake of doing things and improving for the sake of improving, and that is just like outrageously enjoyable. And sometimes I get a little mad that I didn't access that earlier, but I'm so glad that I'm accessing it now. So like the joys of being in your thirties. <laughs> Aging is the fucking best. Oh I god, I love yes. getting older. I know at a, cer- at a certain point my body will change in a way that is makes getting older a little less of a overwhelming positive. <laughs> but so far, I just get less dumb every year. Yeah, a fully loaded cerebral cortex. Or it's so cortex. great to have mm. your brain be done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I certainly Speaking know that your brain is very well cooked. <laughs> All right, then. Well, what next? Erica, yes. you're a fucking delight. Are you ready to play some delightful trivia? It's under my trivia. Yes. Yes! That's I, the right answer. You're already yes, winning trivia. You I, are doing great. I think I had a hint on that one. <laughs> we will give you infinity hints. <laughs> Yay! Anyway. anyway, we have two rounds of brain melting trivia for you. Okay, yes. let's do it. <laughs> the first round is called Hello. It is about um, sort of Satan y and hellacious things. Okay. Um, round two is favorite first lines. Oh, I love this game. Oh, boy. Um, in which we will give you the first line of a work of literature. Oh, boy. And you want to ask the title? Okay. And it's going to be great. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Round one. Hello. In the native phonetic alphabet, you can spell English language words by giving a unique call sign for each letter. For example, WTF is whiskey, tango, foxtrot. Got it. For three points, please spell the word hell using the NATO phonetic alphabet. If you don't know the answer, we very strongly encourage guessing. Hotel, echo... Oh, God. It's either Love, Love, or Leo, Leo. Nope. Damn. But great guesses. Super good. <laughs> lifetime, daytime special, lifetime, daytime special. <laughs> so close. Yes. Full points. <laughs> One might also say it was Hotel, Echo, Lima, Lima. Lima, Lima. I might say that. I think the L is very, very surprising. In the yeah. Lima. The L, there are a few letters where I'm just like, oh, okay. And that's one of them. Right. Next up. A deal with the devil is sometimes called a Faustian bargain. Name the demon in Faust. Oh, hell. Uh, <laughs> well done, you. Hell done, you. Uh, uh, this is like dredging back to college. Mm-hmm. Azazel. That is a demon. It is a demon. But it's not the demon from Faust. Beelzebub? Also a demon. Not from Faust. <laughs> Richard? Richard Hell and the Foidoids Good band But Not the Demon from Faust Okay Um Five syllables Fuck That's a lot of syllables Oh Mephistopheles Mephistopheles There It's right there I mean all I needed was five syllables and an M (laughs) Alright last Hell question Math What the (laughs) (laughs) Actually arithmetic 
Actually, you don't need to do math to answer this question, I believe. What is the sum of the first 36 natural numbers? This is the demon game. It's got to be 666. It is. Got it. <laughs> perfect. You did perfect. Yeah. It is time for okay. round two. Famous first lines. Okay. Question one. Here's the first line. Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself. This would be Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. Good job! We have lulled you. you into a false sense of security. <laughs> Here's number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, <rub-rub. laughs> All right, maybe. What, or mm-hmm. 124 was spiteful. 124 was spiteful? I... I that's that's a shame for 123. <laughs> um, and I have, 125. Yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> shitty neighbors are the worst. Uh, I have no earthly clue. That is... That is from Beloved. Which is a shame because I've read that book. Yeah, and saying. that was a good pun for the book. Having no earthly clue. Because it's Yeah, yeah, Oh, man. I'm unintentionally punning and feeling very good about myself. I'm feeling great about you, too. In all ways. Next up. When your mama was the geek, my dreamlets, Papa would say, she made the nipping off of noggins such a crystal mystery that the hens themselves yearned towards her, waltzing around her, hypnotized with longing. Is this Geek Loaf by Catherine Dunn? Whoa! Fuck yes! That was not edited. Yeah, oh God, <laughs> it really happened that so fast. fast. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to do this trivia with honesty so I can take pleasure in my victories. You're doing great. That was amazing. No one at the bar got that one right. What? It's you know, hard. That's what I said. Isn't this in San Francisco? Yes, that is also what I said. I'm sorry. That okay. I, I mean, sorry. granted, Catherine Dunn I think is a Portland author, so I'll just throw wow. that in here for some we th- inconsequential West Coast City rivalry. We should have thrown in some Ursula Le Guin. We should. Oh, you should have. I probably would have beefed it. Because <laughs> I haven't read a lot of Ursula Le Guin, to my great, great shame. I love the phrase, beefed it. <laughs> Are you ready for your last question? Yes. My personal favorite. It was a dark and stormy night. In her attic bedroom, Margaret Murray, wrapped in an old patchwork quilt, sat on the foot of her bed and watched the trees tossing in the frenzied lashing of the wind. This book is about to be made into a film about which I am very excited, which will be directed by Ava DuVernay in, I believe, 2018. That helps me not because I am oblivious to pop culture, although I do know enough to know that I love Ava DuVernay. (laughs) We named her avocado tree after her. It is Avo DuVernay. Oh my god. The fact that you have an avocado tree takes my poor little never-lived... Never lived south of the 45th parallel and never, I never, I never lived uh, east of the Cascade Mountains little brain and just blows it all apart. But I appreciate the pun. Come to our house. We'll feed you avos. Uh, this is a young adult science fiction, the first book of a young adult science fiction series. Is it the N.K. Jemsen ones? It um, is not. Damn. Good guess. Yeah. Good, good shout out. Older. Older. I'm going to go with The Babysitter's Club (laughs) (laughs) Super Special Number 3 Which I'm pretty sure is the one where they go to camp I love everything about you in this moment I actually think that's the one where they're on a cruise ship You might be right (laughs) Camp might be number 5 Yeah, and like some of them were counselors Some of them were counselors in training Yeah. Did you guys ever see the movie? There are so many, and Birder There are so many random shots of waterfowl in that movie 
that like it makes me think they're trying to fill time and there happen to be a bunch of ducks and like there's i'm pretty sure there's some pintail in that film it's like it there's some obscure waterfowl in that movie wow all right you heard it here first listeners if that's, you are interested in obscure waterfowl i mean amazing. obscure for what i'm assuming is like a cinema lot out in like pasadena or something yeah burbank yeah yeah um, it's a wrinkle in time. Oh god! Damn it. <laughs> Speaking of beefing Ursula Le Guin, Madeline Langle. Speaking of oh, speaking of double beefing. Yeah, Madeline Langle is mad at you now. Oh, that's fine. You did great. That was Hooray. so good. You won the trivia that we wrote for you. Congratulations Yay. on your trivia victory, and you now prepare to win a prize. There is one and only one rule of the prize bag. Okay. There are no takebacks. Fair. However, unlike at the bar, we invite our podcast guests to look in the bag. Ooh. Would you like to narrate your exploration? I'm going on a journey, and the journey includes measuring spoons. (laughs) And uh, a puzzle of candy with some with some painters tape on it. There's stickers, there's something pom pom y, but I love a puzzle. So (laughs) I'm gonna take puzzle bug five (laughs) hundred. It's a puzzle of candy. On a scale of one to ten. One is a tesseract, and ten is Margaret Murray's mother making dinner over her Bunsen burner. Uh, How would you rate this prize? Can I answer in the form of a... Like a seven? I think you just did. I think that's like a seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I only communicate through puzzle from now on. Great segue. Thank you so much for being here. You did great. Thank you so much for playing trivia. You did great. Guess what time it is, Ben? It is the best time. Guess what time it is, Erica? I'm guessing this is the music making time. This is zero to 60. We are in a hotel room, so we do not have a guitar, a broken kazoo, a piano, or a ball bat mandolin, or an amp with a Britney Spears sticker on it. What we do have is a lot of weird shit in a hotel room. A low ball glass full of hot tamales. We, could play we have two low ball glasses full of Skittles. Because this is what we think people do in fancy hotel rooms. So we did that. Uh, you have a broken puzzle full yeah, of puzzle pieces makes that sounds. makes a nice sound. You have vocal cords. We have vocal cords. Let's go with vocal cords. Love it. I grew up in Alaska. And one thing that I once did at a small town on a road trip that was ill-fated was we attempted, to, uh, some friends and I attempted to sing for our supper in uh, acapella jazz format. This is so promising. <laughs> so yes. who wants to be bass and who wants to be drums? I want to be drums. Okay. <laughs> Can you give me a jazzy? You went. Yeah. Yeah. Can do. And then some kind of jazzy bass line, and I will be some kind of brass instrument, or maybe a reed. Who knows? And we'll just let it ride. All right, improv. Or maybe a reed. Who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. A one and a two and a three. Boom! 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 Boom, 
my well, two. Well, that was excellent. How did how did you not get supper after that? So again, small town in Alaska. We got a um, row of Ritz crackers and a preserved can of salmon and beer or something. You were a successful. Balanced meal. We, yeah, we 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 <laughs> and split between three of us, we managed to make it to our next destination. So we acquired some food things that are considered some food. Bewildered people in the town of Chickaloon, Alaska. Thank you, residents of Chickaloon. Thank oh, you so much for you. being here. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. You're wonderful. You did great because you're great. This okay, is so much okay. fun. Thank you, Erica. Of course, it's Thank fun. You. Yay! We did it. That was our forty-first episode. If you're local to the Bay Area, come play one of our live games. We've got one every Monday night at Shotwell's Bar in the Mission, except for holidays. And Queer Sex Trivia is every third Thursday at the Stud in Soma, featuring amazing prizes from Good Vibrations. As always, you can win free drinks and weird stuff from the prize bag at all of our games. Please, please, please give us five stars on iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, and find us on the social medias. You can follow us to see photos of the drawing rounds from the pub quiz, pictures of the winners, bears and dinosaurs, living life, and tons of other good stuff at nosportstrivia.com and at nosportstrivia on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. No sports ever. Feminism forever. No sports trivia rewards you for knowledge of books and boobs. Want to win, draw Joe Holtzman and know how spiders reproduce. If we ask you to smash something, it's always patriarchy. Raise a glass and kick some ass. Get ready, you'll be Pure knowledge editing you is going that to That will literally dream. require like no editing. Yeah, it's going to just so go good. in. I'm going to edit out this part, but <laughs> this where I'm telling you what a good job you did. But like, oh my God, you were just like gem, 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 diamond, emerald, ruby, pearl. Gorgeous.